This is the Bees Attic podcast. And in today's podcast, we have the lovely guest Yvonne Rivers, aka Phoebe Global of Phoebe Marketing Group that has been in the works for decades since 1997, a business development and a marketing training company that serves globally and headquarter and her headquarter is in Washington DC. Uh, Yvonne is a graduate from Lincoln University in Pennsylvania and studied graduate marketing at Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, her work for a decade, she has pitched uh, in the competition called the Shark Tank or uh, our day or modern version in Kenya as the, as the lion's den. So she is a black excellence entrepreneur and she has done so much programs as well as peaching, and she is a coach. Uh, welcome to this podcast as we are talking about business and how to start a business, marketing, and many other topics that we are going to do in a cost of two podcasts. So sit down, listen, and be informed. And also, you can learn something or two. Welcome to the podcast, Yvonne. Thank you so much, Daisy. I'm so excited to just share with your listeners how it is of being an entrepreneur, how you can be one. All of those who are listening, everyone's got an idea. So we're going to give you a lot of good content today. Okay. uh, From that, I would like to ask you, who is Phoebe and who is Phoebe Global? But I want to dig deep from your background as Yvonne, as you elevated to Phoebe Global. Well, um, I started out, (laughs) I like to say, is a little colored girl, grew up in Virginia in the United States, who always wanted to do big things, always wanted to travel. Whenever I would see, my first time seeing the Atlantic Ocean, I said, I want to go to the other side. I want to go to the other side. So I've always been that explorer, that adventurer. So my mind is always turning about what new things I can do. And that upbringing there led me to just go and just learn all that I could educationally and university with Lincoln University actually majored in pre-med and wanted to be a doctor in Africa. That was what I always wanted to be. Got accepted to medical school, got some money to go, but not enough, but ended up being in the uh, um, analytical chemist for a major corporation here in the United States. But you know what, Daisy? I was not made out for a lab to stay in a lab. I'm a people person, as you probably will find out as we go through these podcasts. And I love talking to people. And talking to people meant that I actually could go into the sales and marketing. So I quit my good, as they say, corporate job and really struck out on my own. And I had been an independent, self-employed, a person with different companies since I was 27 years old. Now, you do the math, but that's been 
close to 40 years ago. So I have been an entrepreneur. Um, reading, uh, as you spoke about you, your experience in the corporate world, why did you see it as it's not enough? I'm not a love girl. I am not the girl that um, you could just put in an office. Why did you branch out into entrepreneurship? Because it's always more. If you're not an entrepreneur, and not everyone is one, because we're going to talk about what it takes to be an entrepreneur. Not everyone's an entrepreneur, but I had enough ideas, innovations that I didn't want to work up under someone else with their ideas. I had my own. So I became an entrepreneur because I wanted to enter in my own skills and ideas and put them into action. So that's where the shift came because you can start and most people will start out working for others and companies and gather expertise and so forth. But I really went back to what my own natural gifting and purpose was. And I knew I had what it took to really be successful and help other people because you only can be successful if you're giving back to other people. You have, it's not about you, it's about what and who you help along the way. I think you're, when you spoke about not everyone is an entrepreneur, um, what was your first initial idea into business? Because as an entrepreneurs, we have so many ideas and how to make it easier for people. What was your first entrepreneurship idea and did it come into fruition or did you have to try and try again? Well, I really look back, Daisy, to what were my and, and I, I called it a very simple way. And I really encourage my coaching clients to do this now. Take a piece of paper and put down what your positive attributes are. In other words, your strengths. What are you bringing to the table? I always was able to talk to people, any and everyone, even as a child, was not fearful of that. Likewise, I knew that if I knew something, I knew how to translate that into telling them and training them to do that. And fortunately, my first business attribute was actually just that named after myself, D. Yvonne Rivers Limited. And that was like in 1988. Yeah, 1988, uh, after really leaving, becoming a, a financial planner after leaving analytical chemist, as well as training people with what I knew. We all go through life and we learn as we go. So if you really gather that information, you then can teach other people. So I, betrayed, I became that teacher, that trainer, that person to help people succeed. And it was in business. It was whether business, they're running a farm, whether they've got a business idea, they wanted to start it. So learning to really show people and you have to really adapt to the people because everyone's different. Everyone learns differently. So it was me reading people and seeing who they were and able to translate into showing them how they could become successful. And my mission statement I actually developed back 40 years ago, we become your catalyst to success which simply means if you wanna be successful, we're that conduit or that in-between to help you set the pathway to success. Uh, I know that you are a coach and you are a mentor when it comes to entrepreneurs and you lead them to success, as you have said. What was your, what was your hardest uh, 
year or even an entrepreneurship, it's a journey. What was your hardest moment when it came to how to coach people when it comes to business? The hardest moment in entrepreneurship is not necessarily how you deal with your clients, but how you deal with yourself. Or something mean is the fact that it's going to be the ups and downs. But through the ups and downs, through the valleys, well, you, when you everybody everybody's happy when you're the mountain. Everybody's happy, you know. Yeah, money coming in and all that. But in the valleys, when things are not necessarily going the way you want, and you got less money, that's why I tell people prepare for the highs and the lows. For you, mm-hmm. staying committed to know that you're fulfilling your purpose. Never never lose your purpose. Never lose your mission in spite of what you're going through. That is the toughest thing for any entrepreneur because if you stay focused, you will survive. With the time we're talking now, we're in this pandemic for a year and a half. The people who have survived were the people who knew and thought and believed in themselves and prepared the best they could. Those are the survivors. And really, when you start something, I call it, you want to blitz scale. You really want to grow as fast as you really reasonably can because you got to be purposeful. Unfortunately, Daisy, some people will start business ventures and they don't end up making money and they don't realize they're making money because they're not tracking the numbers. They don't know their profit potentials. They don't know their processes and they end up at the end of the year. Oh, we didn't make much money. You should have known that in 30 days if you've been tracking that. So those are some of the biggest downfalls or fallacies that come to entrepreneurship. But it begins in the mind, begins in the mindset. Um, can you really expand how mindset and business are intertwined together? Well, nothing happens until it's an idea. Nothing happens. It first begins with a thought. The thought will create a product or service. The product or service will develop who you're going to serve that to. Whoever's your customer is, you're serving that customer to end up bringing in revenue. So it's a process. It's a process, it's a system. And if it, it, you, it cannot start until you have an idea. Now, the first idea typically is you've got a, the best idea. you got a better mousetrap than everybody else. Well, if you do, how exactly are you better than other people? So it always start with the thought in the mind, Daisy. And you want to begin with that thought and rationalize very specifically and scrutinize yourself. Back again to that, what you bringing to the table? What are your strengths? What are your weakness, opportunities, and threats? What's your SWOT analysis? You've got to look yourself in the mirror and you've got to look at truly who you are. Don't go about actually for what other people say you are. Who are you? Because people can either tell you positive or negative, but what do you tell yourself? That's where it begins. Okay, you briefly talked about money and uh, profit margins and, uh, and break, how to break even into entrepreneurship and how people really don't understand that it's not all about the money. It's a journey to the money. So can you demystify some myths about entrepreneurship and it's a gateway to get rich quickly? Well, no, right, exactly. That's a myth. M-Y-T-H, say it out loud, M-Y-T-H. It is a myth that you can do it overnight or quickly because as soon as you you can do it overnight, then you can lose it overnight. It is building that journey 
That's what it's all about. Now, as I say, profit margin and back to mindset. Don't think I want to break even. You want to profit. You start out. Unfortunately, Daisy, some people come to me when they're first starting and they're simply saying, well, I want to start and I break even. I'm good. No, 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 no. If you break even, you're not good. <laughs> because you're not making any money and you cannot stay in business if you're not making any money, but you yeah. cannot do it overnight. If you develop your system and your process, because I like to say there's process, people, and profit. If you have a good process and you have good people, your clients, as well as your team who works with you, you will have a profit, but you have to establish it. Setting up the process helps you do that and with templates that you don't have to start back at ground level zero, everything there's a new idea. My team, I have a team of six, four in Africa and two here in the US. We have systems and, and systems in place. So when everyone do a new venture, it's easily adaptable. We go back to the process we've used that has been successful because I did global, I started global work actually 13 years ago. Prior to that, I was solely a United States. So I had a good and had built a good, viable business model that made money. So replicating and moving to global was, I don't say easy. I had to learn the culture, the currency, uh, what was the needs and all of that. But you have these systems, you can be successful. If you don't know how to do it, then that's where you bring in a professional like me as a coach. Because I'll have to say one of my biggest challenges with my clients is simply because they don't want to follow the detailed instructions. It's not like you saying and setting a goal for yourself, Daisy, I'm going to make a million dollars this year. I'm going to make 250000 US dollars or whatever. Well, how are you going to do it? You've got to have yeah. a plan. That's the process. Uh, can you briefly talk about your process? Because you said that how your business model worked in U in the U.S. is different and how people work or have businesses are in Africa, because these are two continents, two different needs and two different customers. How how did you know that it's different from how we do in the US and in Africa? Well, number one, my basic my basic business model that I established in 19, probably in 1988, even before Phoebe Marketing in 1997, was the basic regarding business. Business does not change. So my US business model didn't change. I simply modified and adapted where I needed to based on the culture, what country, whether it was Africa, Europe, any of the continents at all. Right now we serve four continents and we train in five languages because we can't assume everybody speaks English. So it's being aware of that and looking at the needs. Everybody needs are different, but the basic business structure of a business, whether you're a farmer, whether you make cocoa butter, whether you are seamstress, whether you're a corporate executive, whether you're a trainer, whether you're an auto mechanic, the basic business model, that's the same. That is the same, but you have to be able to adapt wherever you are. But that system process people and um, this, yeah, process people and profits, that stays the same. Okay, what, because of your diverse experience, in entrepreneurship and business ventures in different markets. Um, how, what are the some of the most common that you can 
point out and see entrepreneurs have done and have uh, taken them to the most uh, depth of how they do business. Are you speaking of different sectors or what's uh, different sectors, but the most common mistakes? Oh, common mistakes. Well, I, yes. I just said that. The most common mistake is not knowing your detailed business plan, strategic plan. You have to have a roadmap. Like if you were going, you're in Kenya, Nairobi. If you're going to Mombasa, you need to know what direction is it north, south, east, and west. Yes. Or wherever you're going. So you first have to know what direction you want to go. Yeah, that you want to go. Then you have the pathway to go there. Back again, when I say if, okay, you may be selling whatever, jewelry or, or cocoa butter or juice and so forth, and you say you want to sell it to people. Okay, who wants your stuff? Who's your customer? You have to figure that out. And how many of them are they? How can you get in front of them? How can you know, How can they know you to buy your products? Those are the steps that every business owner needs to take. But unfortunately, sometimes entrepreneurs, they want to skip. They want to yeah. say, here's my juice and I'm going to sell all of it. <laughs> you don't know yeah. that because you don't know who you who wants it. That's where it comes down. Biggest mistake. So, so you need a roadmap. You need yes. a business model. You need to define what your business is, what your mission statement is, who you, mm -hmm. are your customers, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, you so, have to. So can you briefly explain and expound on a, a good business model? Well, you know, I have something I call my one minute business plan, which something means I ask four questions and you have one minute to answer it. So that's something maybe the listeners can do. The first okay. question, what are your products and services? What are you bringing to the market? Are there products or are they services? And being specific, don't just say I do coaching. I am specifically a business coach. I'm not a life coach. I can't teach you to start uh, play tennis. I can't teach you how to, <laughs> to learn French. I can teach you how to have a good business. You have to be specific in what products and services you're bringing to the table. Number two, who are you going to sell them to and who's your customer? In other words, when I say I'm a business coach, my customers are business owners and NGOs, nonprofits, because a not-for-profit business is still a business. Now, that's another story we can talk about maybe in the second podcast, because unfortunately, yeah. a lot of NGOs or not-for-profits, they don't think they need to make money. They will not survive unless they make money. They are a business with that. So who's your customer? I mean, you should be able to describe down to the gender, to the educational level, income level, lifestyle, your customers. My customers are business owners who have an idea, maybe three different levels. The first is I call jumpstart or upstart, startup businesses. They have an idea, have not put into place, but they're so serious and committed to it. They're willing to get the help to do it. Now, I am not the coach for someone who it's a hobby and they simply dabble in it and they're not serious about it. That I'm not your coach. Don't come to me with that. Okay. 
My other level is the fact that someone who's already started and they're struggling or have not reached a level they want because they have probably, and nine times out of 10, is because they, they didn't have a roadmap when they started and they started yeah. and may have had a good start, but then they fizzle out and didn't know why. The third level is actually to people who have started, have grown, but they want to expand more, meaning go global. I have a class and course I teach called How to Go Global. You may be in Africa, want to go be global to the US or Europe or whatever, or you may just want to, maybe you may just be in Kenya, you want to cover all of Africa, but you want to grow. So those yeah. are my specific customers. So as I say, they're typically with an idea, just, just starting. Number two is that maybe have been in business for a while and just don't have not reaching the level they want to, or others who maybe are considered large businesses, but they still want to grow even larger. So I'm, I'm very clear on who my customer is. And also the prevailing factor is they're willing to come and get professional help. I am not the person and my clients are not those who want to, well, I'll just do it myself. Well, if you could do it yourself, you would have done it yourself. Yes. So as you defined your customers, you're very specific on who you want in your team. Um, when it comes to entrepreneurship, many entrepreneurs don't know about the customer demographic, who they are customers, who are their customers, what are they selling to their customers? Are their customers interested in what they're selling? How does the customer play the big role on how you do business? Well, the customer plays the biggest role because you can't get money unless customers pay you. Sure. So you, you work for your customer, but you have yeah. to know, as we say, who's your customer. I, I can easily define who my demographic and who my customer is, but an entrepreneur have to first say, let's just say they're in fashion and they're selling t-shirts. You got one person, let's say two people in fashion. One person in fashion selling T-shirts, another in fashion selling uh, uh, Native African with, uh, dresses, the elaborate ones. Then you have someone who's in agriculture. Then you have someone who's actually making jewelry. Each one of them have different things they offer. So they have different customers. The prevailing statement I say to never say these words that everybody is my customer because everyone is not your customer. You have to define your customer based on the products or services that you're bringing to the market. That's how you define. And then there are different levels. We heard me mention in the fashion industry, that could be a t-shirt person and a um, African dress person. Two different people who versus will pop pay maybe five to 10 US dollars versus 200 to $300 for authentic handmade couture custom made dress. Same thing for a farmer or anyone else making jewelry is or different levels of jewelry from your very simple ones to the very exclusive and custom. So knowing who your customer is, a lot of that is relating to the price point that you're bringing to the market. If you're doing something handmade, that's what we call premium levels, which people willing to pay the value. And I mentioned value without going to modern specifics is because your value of what you sell it for has got to be at least more than 20 to 30 to 50% more than your cost to produce it. 
your cost to ship it, your cost of really everything and putting into that product. So with products, you've got to count your cost of goods. With services, you're really counting the cost of the time or the expertise you put in. As you, as you explained about how to identify your market, you kind of touched about value. How do you identify your value proportion? Well, your value proposal itself is what are you bringing to the table? What is your uniqueness? What sets you apart? And what is your basically your monetary value too? I have 40 years of business expertise. I have run global and million dollar businesses. But value I'm bringing to the table is more than just someone coming out of college with an MBA, PhD or whatever. I've got not only knowledge, but the expertise. So my cost of bringing me in is me much more than that person. But other people, whether it's a product it is, perfect example I talked about, a $5 or $10 t-shirt versus a $200 or $300 dress. You have got to know the value. And only when you put your price point on your product or service will people recognize your value. Because if you start out saying this, and I hear this so many times, well, you know I can't charge for so much because I'm just getting started. That has nothing to do with it. It only has to do with the price and the value of what you're bringing to the market. Is the value of a company or a, a business relevant to or associated with the branding of the business? Because branding, because we know branding has a big part to play with how a product or a service is being valued at because when a brand says we are charging maybe a thousand dollars people don't question it because of the brand itself how, how does the branding how is branding important to business well branding i put it the same level as marketing you can have uh, a good brand you can have the the the, 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 the sound bites out there but is what's the value of it? All of it adds together. You've got to get in front of the people who will buy your products. When you talk about Forrest Branding, you know, quite frankly, as I say, my name, my company's name is Phoebe Marketing Group. I have branded myself as Phoebe. People call me yeah. Phoebe. My official name is D. Yvonne Rivers, but they call me Phoebe. So they see me as Phoebe the expert. Phoebe is a business expert. Phoebe is a business success coach. So that's how they see me. The value I bring behind my brand is me getting in front of people who will uh, really buy my brand and my services. Because as you see that I'm on this podcast, I do a lot of different things. I'm a speaker uh, in different, not only just podcasts, but conferences and so forth. I have my own podcast here in the United States. So I have built that. And you have to work for building that. So branding is under the whole thing of marketing. And marketing itself for a separate aside from branding. Branding is just getting your name out and people, oh, I know of you. And one of my greatest, I'd say, success or success stories when I I think I'm meeting someone for the first time. I, I had an incident probably about also incident, but probably about two or three months ago that my team had set up a meeting and we had some meetings in the Netherlands. So I uh, came on a Zoom call, and of course, I'm introducing myself, and they, they, the person who's on the Zoom, who I had never met, says, oh, Phoebe, I know you. <laughs> I said, okay, how do you know me? 
and they obviously had seen me in different circumstances and whatever. So that itself showed them, showed me that my brand and my marketing is working. So uh, branding and your value is different. It's totally two different things, right? Yes, it is, because you can have a brand, but it's what is your value to it, because people have different branding, but they're different levels. It's all under marketing. It's all under marketing. So marketing and branding go hand in hand. Absolutely. And the value goal is another thing. Right. Uh, Thank you. How do you identify when you're starting? The biggest question is, where am I going to get the capital to start? Um, do you need capital to start? This is the, the questions that people do ask themselves. If I, can, if I can get some money to start this business, or do you even need some money to get this business? How do you identify revenue streams? I, I may be of a different uh, mindset than others may be. And I tell people when, uh, obviously, as you say, well, I want to start this business when I need money. And I'll make this statement and I will stand behind it. And I have for over 30 years. If you will not invest in yourself, why are you expecting anybody else to? Do mm. not go out and ask for a loan or an investment from some other people when you haven't done it for yourself. So you are, you are and should be your first investor. And I use, and I, I talk about bootstrapping, bootstrapping, a word that typically means that you use what you have to get what you want. If you've got $10 and you, you want to, you want to be a farmer and buy some seeds, you want to sell vegetables, buy some apples and oranges and put a premium price and resell it, but put some of your money into what you want to do, whether it's to, to sew a dress, so buy some clothing, buy some cloth, buy a sewing machine and whatever. I work with a micro enterprise program in Ghana and it's working with women that essentially they're given uh, as a loan $50. With that $50, they either can buy a sewing machine and cloth, panty cloth or whatever, make different uh, items. I've got a, a laptop cover bag that's made for me uh, or buy a goat and sell the milk and the cheese and so forth, or buy chickens, or buy pigs, or whatever. So use and think about what you can do to get started. The key thing, people starting that way, they're very purposeful in looking at how they can get what's called an ROI, or return on investment. So if I can put $50 or something, then in two months to three months, I, that 50 can turn into 150. I put maybe 50 back into it of the 150. So you're building it. now. That's a basic, simple way of not getting a dime from anyone else other than yourself. Then moving forward, you may see yourself, okay, if I can get an investor or a loan or whatever, then I can grow larger or faster or whatever. But that same system has got to be in place. Okay, so invest in yourself before any other person invests in you. So um, I'll be a question and when I when I come, when people may come to me for me to be an investor and I'm a micro investor to invest in to invest in their company, that's my first question. What have you put in your company for yourself? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So 
when when you're let's say you have started this business okay uh, you've invested in yourself you have a direction or a business model on how to propel this business uh, to in the new future where does the investor come because when you want to expand you go to financial institutions the banks the circles uh, your friends and family of course uh, where does the business um, investor come and who and who oh. sorry to cut you short mm-hmm. and who and how should you choose your investor well number one is the fact not every business will ever get to the investment stage so accept that we typically are talking about the million and billion dollar businesses will get to an investor stage. As you say, if you've started, you're making money, um, you're replicating, you're putting some money back in, you're making money with that. You determine what level of business you want it to be. So do you want to eventually grow it to that million dollar, billion dollar business or whether that's a million or billion dollar business just because you may want it to grow? What's the market? You heard me say for is developing who's your customer and how many of the you have, how many customers you have potentially. So that's where you do your market research. In Kenya, if you want to sell to women and uh, the product of, uh, relates to women of educated who work, make this amount of shillings per month, per week or whatever, how many of those women are in Kenya if you're only selling to Kenya? That defines how many you can sell. So your limit is based on who you're marketing to. You heard me say I went global 13 years ago because I was solely in the U.S. with 330 million people. Shifting to global 13 years ago gave me a market of 7.9 billion people. It's the mm-hmm. same thing for your products or services. So you may not ever need an investor. That's based on whether your business is investable to go and grow to that level. Now, just as you say, Shark Tank here in the U.S. and Lions Den uh, across the world in different sections there, when you see the sharks or the investors on there, they're asking questions on how they can get their money back and how can yes. they grow. They, they may, and I, I'm an investor myself, as I say, when I invest in something, I'm looking at getting a three to four times return or else why am I putting that money in you because I can get that for myself. That's what investors are. But if you're looking at for as in getting a loan or talk, talk about the friends and family or the sacros or whatever, that's really using some money so you can get maybe inventory, reduce your price, bring in personnel, get some more tech or web or IT and so forth. You're simply steadily growing your business. So it's, it's a misnomer that a lot of times people think, oh, I want an investor. Because typically an investor is gonna get an equity or a poor portion of your company. Is that mm. what you want? And everybody doesn't want that or really needs how you determine what investor you go after. What other investors have that investor done? If it's a venture capitalist you're talking to, that VC, what kinds have they invested in? Are they a tech VC? Are they agribusiness? What area? That's the research people need to know. So coming down, Daisy, I said at the beginning of the podcast, I'll say again, <laughs> you got to do your work. Because too many entrepreneurs are lazy and don't want to do, well, I just want to suddenly just do this and I want investors to come to me. 
other words, I put this out or I sent out my proposal to, to uh, an investor and I never heard anything. Guess what? <laughs> they don't want you. And that's okay. Yes. <laughs> that's okay. So you have stated perfectly, is your business investable? Uh, should I put my money in your business? Or should you grow more and put more money in your business as your business grows? Um, thank you so much for this demystifying that because a lot of people in Kenya think that as you grow, your, your business becomes investable. So you can go and pitch to other business ventures or VCs, venture capitalists and just get money because you demanded right. it and your business is making money right. so you're investable right now the yeah. other side of that and i hope we yeah. can talk about this maybe in the next uh podcast i want to talk about how you do a business pitch when you talk about oh, for example yeah. i started dc shark tank here in washington dc 2015 six years ago and yeah. i created that because I had businesses coming to me and they may have been in business a while or just starting. And I asked them to tell me in two minutes what their business was, who they were, what they did and why I should do business with you. Most people can't tell it. Most people can't do it. He started rambling. Well, you know, I grew up in this village and I grew up. And it's like, people don't want to hear that. <laughs> they want to hear about what's the benefit of your company. So doing the, the DC Shark Tank is now the Phoebe Pitch Tank that actually we're doing it across the world. And I'm trying to get to Kenya in December, quite frankly, do a pitch competition. But it comes down to you can win money in pitch competitions. So it's yeah. not just of getting an investment but winning money. This year, 2021, I've got two or three clients have each pitch competitions only have won over $100,000. One, completely no equity investor or whatever. So there are opportunities out there. Yeah. But so, you got to be good. You got to know what to do and say. So I'm a pitch coach also. Okay. Thank you, Yvonne, for taking your time to talk to us because our time is value and yes. money I guess. And thank you for taking your time and giving us a valuable conversation about entrepreneurship and dropping some hidden gems to our listeners. We would like to hear from you. And this is not the only podcast you're going to hear from Yvonne and I. Uh, there are many more to come. Please stay tuned. And can you give us, Yvonne, your social media platform? And sure. how you can get in touch. Absolutely. Our website is phoebemarketing.com. And Phoebe is spelled P-H-O-E-B-E, marketing.com. That's our website. You can find us on Facebook at Phoebe Marketing. You can find us on LinkedIn at Phoebe Marketing. You can find us on Instagram. So reach out to us. Um, my email is CEO at phoebemarketing.com. I would love to answer any of your questions. So send any questions to me at my email address and I will respond back to you because we'll have some different trainings on how you can start, grow and scale your business and how you can develop a business pitch that will make you 